It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay. Millie's Welcome back, this is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast And we are happy that you make us part of your daily routine It's Monday, happy Father's Day to everyone who was enjoying that yesterday uh, Today we're talking all about the Anthony Davis trade. What else? We'll talk about the trade. We'll talk about how, what's next for the Celtics. We'll get into some Danny Ainge talk uh, and examine uh, the criticism that's been thrown around about him. We are the Rain and Jays. I am John Corrales of MassLive.com, joined by the kid, Jay King, from The Athletic, and Samuel Jamison Packard III. Jam! Also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam. And also known as God Jam God. God Jam God. God Jam God. I like God Jam God. Maybe we get. Do we replace Young Baby Jamwich? Nah, you just keep adding. Just keep adding. Just keep adding. Although if if Welch just keeps messing around with me, I might not go by Jamwich anymore. I'm going to go uh, Young Uncrustables. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, for so we're tripoding with this. If you are. Uh, New to the show, go ahead and give us a subscription. Just click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya. It's all right there. And also a reminder to join the Locked On NBA podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to that as well. The mock draft there is underway. Local experts in every draft room. Jeremy Wu of SI.com and player breakdowns. Josh Lloyd of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball with the Fantasy Breakdown, all that on Lockdown NBA. Now, in that, I executed a trade for Anthony Davis to the Celtics. In reality, Anthony Davis went to the Los Angeles Lakers for Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and what may be five of the Lakers draft picks. You got the fourth pick. You got uh, a couple of first rounders, a couple of pick swaps. It's a lot of draft picks. So let's get your reaction, guys. Jay, what did you think of the deal for the Lakers? For the Lakers, I thought it was kind of a no-brainer. Well, for both sides. Like, yeah, I, I thought like Lakers probably the favorites to win the title now. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and everywhere else is just uncertainty. Come on. So what do you mean, come on? Favorites to win the title? Uh, who who who's who's better? Jay, they've got five guys on the team. We don't even know tell what the team better. is going to be. T- tell me who's better. The, anybody right now? Uh, t- tell me, tell me who, who you pick. Players. Tell me who you'd pick. Houston, Denver. Depending well, on Houston, Houston's 
just as uncertain as anybody. Everybody's on the trade block, apparently. You picked Denver over a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Jay, I don't even know what they what the Lakers are going to be. They've got I two mean, players. We don't, got... we don't know what half the NBA is going to be, but we do know the Lakers are going to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, right. John. Right. And Kyle Kuzma. And Kyle Kuzma. And... Yeah, don't forget about Kuzma. Yeah, and then nobody else. Like, favorites to win the title, maybe maybe once they build a they, roster. They still have a lot of cap space. They're, they're already my favorite. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely the favorite right now. I mean, anything could happen in free agency. Other teams could could be built up, but Lakers, I'll I'll take I'll take bets from you, John. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll we'll talk about that later. Anyway, I, I thought the Pelicans did well. I thought the Lakers did well, and obviously now the Celtics are just in a very very uncertain place, especially compared to where they were last year when everything seemed to be breaking for them. Now everything for a year has broken against them, and they're on to plan C, D, E, F, whatever the hell else, whatever the hell plan it is now. They're they're on to something that they didn't really hope to do. Jim, what was your take? Uh, I think it was a pretty even trade for both teams. I'm not surprised that the Celtics weren't in the, like, they could not have created a package, even with Jason Tatum. And we've heard conflicting things about that, whether or not they were considering it or like uh, it sounded like if they if Tatum was included in the package, there wasn't going to be much else. With that, they're just like not going to compete with the Lakers offers where they basically they give up their control of their draft for the next seven years. But I have to agree with Jay on this one. Like you have LeBron James, you have him for what, four more seasons? Um you pair him with as but like the best player that he's ever going to play with, and I agree with Jay in terms of favorites. There's no one like there's no other team that's for certain right now. If KD was uh, good to like was not hurt and was going back to the Warriors, I think I would choose the Warriors. But with every other team in flux, I would have to say the Lakers are the favorites just because we have no idea what the rest of the league is going to look like. Um, and so there could be situations where, I don't know, Kawhi and someone else go to the Clippers or uh, Jimmy Butler. I don't know. There's other, a bunch of different moving pieces. But right now, LeBron and AD is pretty good, and I can't come up with a team that's definitively better. So I, I get that LeBron and AD is, is really good. But until they build a roster around those guys, you can't go, you can't go creating favorites on June but, 17th. But, but right now, at this stage, I, I think they are the favorite. Just because most teams, with the uncertainty, is about whether their stars are going to be there and what those stars will be. Versus with the Lakers, it's like, who's going to be their third guy or fourth guy, seventh and eighth man? They already have two of the top six or seven players in the world, including LeBron James, who may be the best player ever. Right. But also LeBron James is going to be 35. This uh, this upcoming season, so that's why they have a 26 year old Anthony Davis, who's also a top five player. I get that, I get that, but do you not get that there, you have to build the right roster around this particular pair because the regular season, you, you've got regular season LeBron here. He's 35. He's going to be coasting through games. So and you can't put that big a burden on Anthony Davis. You're not going to ride Anthony Davis. You got to you got to manage him as well. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Davis has been ridden many times in the past. Right. And where's that? Guy and he from? never. 
He didn't have LeBron James with him, though. Right. He hasn't had LeBron yeah. James with him, but he's also got – it's gotten him hurt. It's Out of, out of all the down. other teams in the league right now, where like whose front office would you rather be tomorrow? I get it. I Well, who would I want to be? Like, would I want to run? Yeah. From a position for, of, of starting, starting the, point. If, for, if you gave me no for the purpose of, the of just winning a championship next year, who do you like? Who do you think is in the best position right now? It's I, there's no one else that can't like that rivals the Lakers. Maybe the Bucks, but even the Bucks have questions with like Chris Middleton, like and Brook Lopez, the, of course, and Malcolm obviously, Brogdon. Obviously, like I'm not saying that this can't be that they can't become favorites. I'm 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 pushing back on the fact that they're favorites right now. Without having seen, you got, first of all, their margin for error is so much smaller than every other team in the league because of their stars. So I think that makes them the favorites. I agree they, that, like, they, we they can't may not end them. up favorites after free agency shakes out and everything. But I think at this point, right now, yeah, I would. But it's ridiculous to, to, to even pick favorites right now. Okay, right now on June 17th, or recording June 16th, you want to, we want to call them a favorites. It, it's meaningless because half the league is in flux. We don't know where Kawhi's going to go. Every podcast at this point is meaningless. Everything we talk about <laughs> is meaningless at uh, this stage. But we people, talk about the, it anyway. The people, the people want our opinions. They want our takes. I'm just Corral, pushing back but, on that. Corrales is fired up about this one. No, it's. I, I think that the Lakers have an opportunity. I, I, lo- I love the Nuggets call, by the way. That was maybe your wildest take, yeah. What's so wild about the Nuggets? They were the two seed this past season. They got Jokic. And got, got beat great. by the Blazers, bro. They ain't beating LeBron and AD. And they got Paul Millsap issues. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, I still think I still think the Nuggets can figure out a way, the two seed, with one of the best one of the best players in the league and, and a hell of a supporting cast can. Uh, yeah. He'd, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be the third best player in that series. It'd be cool. Yeah. It, it, again, it depends on who else they put around Davis and LeBron. That's, that's my only thing. If they, if after they build this roster, I can look at it and say, okay, that's contender. That's probably the favorite. I can, I can be open to that, but right now they've got, if it goes according to Woj, this deal is going to be completed on July 6th, which means they do not have a max slot. They're not going to add a max player. They're going to have about $24 million in cap space, a little less than that, which is a lot of cap space. But they also have five players on the roster right now, and two of them are guys I don't even remember who they are. So Yeah, but they got Mo Wagner, though. That yeah. guy's great. Right. So, like, you've got – Bonga, man. Okay. Fantastic. He's going to be the next Andre Iguodala. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> you got LeBron, who is 35. You get him to the playoffs, he turns it on. But during the regular season, there's no doubt. There's load management. He's going to miss games, and he's not going to. He's not going to go all out. You he should not play a back to back. He should take the Kawhi treatment and only play 60 games. Absolutely right. Now, Anthony Davis isn't going to be playing 40 minutes a game. You can't do that to Anthony Davis. He should also do the Kawhi treatment and only play 60 Great. games. Just Great. a different one to LeBron James. So what happens on back-to-backs when when those guys sit? Or one guy Kem- sits and the other Kemba one Kemba Walker will carry him. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That, that, but that not, that's not going to happen, Jay. They're, they're not, Kemba Walker's not going to take $23.7 million. When he can get- I, I I would bet that when things get ironed out, they do end up with full cap space, full full or close 
clo- very close to at least a Mac- another max slot. Can you explain that? Like they have to wait for a tr- like wait for the four pick. Like yeah. the trade would have to be July thirtieth. So the here's, some here's salary cap machinations. Yeah, here's how they can do it. They can make the fourth pick, sign the fourth pick, and sign all of the other fr- and renounce all of their, of their other free agents. All the guys on one year contracts last year, they're all renounced. They're gone. You make the fourth pick and you sign him. And then because you sign him, you have to wait until July 30th to trade him as part of the aggregation. Then if you do that, then they have $32 million in cap space if they do that. But according to Woj, this deal is going to be done on July 6th. If they do it on July 6th, there's it's impossible for them to get to $30 million. Yeah, but literally I, not I, possible. I would bet what... We just lost you, Jay. I, I don't know. You, I know you're saying you... It makes no sense not to. Okay. You, but if they... I know it makes no sense, but if they do, it's the reporting right now is... From Woj, quote, for now, expectation is Anthony Davis' trade will be completed on July 6th. League sources tell Bobby Marks and me. Got to stay woke on this one. I'm staying what woke. If, if you, what yeah. if the Pelicans are just like, we're doing it July 6th or deals off? Right. I mean. Then the Pelicans would lose the huge haul they just got. It, it would be a mighty bluff. I don't <laughs> think they're going to do that. The, the Lakers are not going to pull back on that. Um, if So if, it, if it's done July 6th, then they don't have it. If they if they if they do if they do push it to July sixth, I mean July thirtieth, then they do have it. So that's that's the thing. But I'm just saying what the reporting is. So as of right now, that's the reporting. And if they if that's how it goes, then they have less than twenty four million dollars. And again, that's don't you think that's like beneficial to them? Like instead of going after Kemba, they go after like two mid level contracts who like are better role players, like. I saw no. You, I saw you tweeted the other day. It was like, what if it was like Pat Beverly and Kevon Looney, and then they just like really did a good job of filling out mid-tier contracts. Like Absolutely. Maybe having not having a max slot is better for the Lakers. The, the way to do it is wait till July 30th, get the 32 million, and break that up amongst multiple players, and not get a third max guy. I, I think that depends on the options, though, right? Like. What if, if max free agent's going to wait till July 30th though? Aren't they just going to want their money July 1? No, you would, you would no, you could you could sign You, you could agree to it and No, you would actually be able to sign them. It, and the sign July, it and then yeah. The July 30th um, is to execute the trade. The oh, it, it yeah, depends yeah, on yeah, yeah. right away. It, it depends on which free agent. Like if it's Kyrie or Kawhi, then all of a sudden like I'd rather have one of those guys over three JJ Redick types or whoever else you could get with that. J.J. Redick, Marcus Morris, and somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if it's like a lower tier guy, then then it's at least a discussion. But I don't know. I I just think the Lakers they had to go out and get Anthony Davis Absolutely. because because they needed to build a team around LeBron right now, and they went out and got their guy. Shout out to Rich Paul, man. Shouts to Rich Paul. He made it. He made it work, man. He scared. He scared Danny Ainge off. Look, I the Lakers had to do this deal. I'm I'm certainly not going to shit on the Lakers for making the deal. They paid a lot, um, and they could they could still screw it up if they don't build the right team around these guys. I, I it's still there's a potential for it to not go well. I think 
Um, but if they do the right thing and they build the right team, they could easily become a contender. Now, to, to play off of what you just said, Jay, Rich Paul played it perfectly. It, it, it's not like most people wanted it to go. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people listening would sit there and, and hate the way that Rich Paul did it. But this is the game. This is how it goes. Uh, and he scared the Celtics away, it seems. like they, By all accounts, by all reports, the Celtics weren't willing to put Jason Tatum in the deal to, to seal, I guess, the trade. I don't know if that really would have sealed the trade, but the reporting is that Jason Tatum wasn't going to be really included because there was no assurance that Danny Ainge really did feel like Davis was gone. I think they were bluffing. I think Anthony Davis could have come to Boston and the league landscape would have changed, but Danny Ainge couldn't take that chance apparently. And, and so he wouldn't give everything that he could have given. And so here come the Lakers and, and shout out to David Griffin for going to the Lakers and be like, make me this offer, give me this stuff. And he's yours and getting a big haul. I think it's clear that the the Celtics offer was also contingent on the like the current Kyrie Irving situation, because if they thought Kyrie was coming back, I think they're more willing to make the trade uh, because then you kind of just have a star player in waiting in case Anthony Davis loses. But the Celtics just couldn't take the risk of losing Kyrie Irving, losing uh, Anthony Davis and then losing Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart in like all in basically uh, consecutive years. So. I think that if they still had Kyrie, they'd be more willing to kind of include Tatum in a deal. But the fact that Kyrie Irving's pretty clearly not coming back makes it so the risk just wasn't worth it because then they'd basically have nothing. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. I wrote about this in my piece for The Athletic uh, just a little bit. But it's crazy, like, how much had to go wrong for the Celtics to, <laughs> to, to lose their Kyrie Davis dream. And like the amount of things that have gone wrong over the last couple of years, beginning with Hayward's fractured ankle, that changed so much. Yep. Then this past year, like just shitty year. Everybody stinks. <laughs> Everybody's frustrated. Drives Kyrie out. Lakers in the lottery get the four pick, which yep. is like super, super low odds, which increases their package hugely i don't know i don't know how easily they get that deal done without the number four pick if they drop to number nine or wherever they were they were supposed to be the king's pick which the celtics thought was going to be a top five pick entering the season all of a sudden lands at the tail end of the lottery diminishing that pick and diminishing their their davis package and diminishing what they can offer without risking the entire cupboard and you just look at like every single thing that went wrong, and it's and like New Orleans wow. getting the number one pick also because that gets them Zion. And really, if Zion had gone somewhere else, if it went to the if if the Knicks got the number one pick, or what if the Hawks got the number one pick? They had better odds. If they got the number one pick and Zion, and they would have been just drafting Zion, then that changes the landscape because then the players become much more important and the pursuit of Jason Tatum becomes much more, uh, much more important for them because if they, as is, has been reported, valued Tatum more than they valued the Lakers players, then they, they would have been more willing to take what the Celtics were, were offering. 
um, or at least willing to work with the Celtics. Uh, so I think I think the Pelicans getting the number one overall pick completely changed the landscape uh, of this this trade. It was yeah, it was just one bad thing after another over the past nine months or so for the Celtics, and all of it impacted. And then obviously Kyrie backing out of his commitment sounds like he's leaning toward leaving, and or he's already out the door. <laughs> And that's been, that's that impacted how, how much the Celtics are, are willing to give up. And so it's just like they, they spent so many years preparing for a, a Davis pursuit. And then when the time came, they just couldn't pony up all the assets, didn't want to pony up all the assets because as a one-year rental, they didn't know, with even with him, whether they would be a, a true championship contender, a championship caliber team. And knowing that they might not, it just, just they just didn't feel it w- worth the risk to load up all their assets like like the Lakers did. And obviously the Lakers are selling out for now, and it makes total sense for them. But the Celtics didn't think it made total sense for them. All right, well, let's take a break here and then figure out what's next for the Celtics. And then in the third segment, we can talk about the, this whole pursuit in the more on Kyrie and just all of the things that have gone wrong for Danny Ainge uh, over the past couple of years. We'll do that when we come back on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Lockdown Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Anthony Davis is a Laker, or going to be. Kyrie Irving is seemingly out the door on his way to Brooklyn. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what that situation's like. Who knows how that's going to go? But it, it seems pretty clear now that that Kyrie is gone. So now, what's next? The Celtics do keep Marcus Smart. They do keep Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford. That's the next big question. Does Al Horford look at this team with Marcus and Jason and Jalen and Gordon and say, you know what? I'm sticking around. I'm going to see this through. I, I trust these guys to go do something. And I like, I like these guys and we're going to do it. Do you, what do you guys think? Jam Al Horford. Uh, I mean, I pledged last week that he's definitely coming back uh, a little bit less confident in that proclamation now, but, I think it makes sense. I don't know if he, how like much he is championship or bust. 
Um, because I was trying to think about it, like what is the team that he goes to where he's like, he's automatically puts him in contention. The only team I could think of with it, and it's maybe been thrown around is him going to the, to the Rockets. Um, and I think there would still have to be signed and trades and things like that where it gets confusing, but I still think it's a very solid team that the Celtics have. And so I, if I was the Celtics and if I was a fan of the Celtics, I've already pledged to drinking a ga- uh, gallon of chocolate milk every day until Al Horford resigns. That should be their number one priority. Like they need Al Horford back. If he wants the money to take the deal and then maybe like consider his options next year. Um, it's obviously not ideal for the Celtics, but uh, really I think they just do whatever it takes to keep Al Horford. Um, but ideally it would be that the kind of three years with uh, less money uh, up front. I do think as long as Horford stays, the Celtics have a team that will win 50-ish games. Maybe They're a second-tier team in the East. Maybe more than that. Yeah, they're like fourth fourth seed, maybe? Ish. They're third or fourth seed in the East, I think, depending on how good the Raptors are. They're clearly worse than the Bucks and clearly worse than the 76ers. Um, but I think well, they're like right there after that, that. That depends on what the 76ers do, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think the 76ers with him, like with Embiid and uh, Simmons and whoever they spend their money on, are still going to be like a top tier team. That that, that could be fair. Um, yeah, so it, I, I do think it comes down to whether Horford is championship or bust, and and what opportunities are out there for him. Like, would the Bucks be an option? Has that even been discussed? I don't. I don't know. Like, Bucks? They, yeah. They have Horford to the Bucks. Yeah, that that would be really interesting. Um, I don't know. Do they have the cap space to do that? I mean, I suppose. I think they do. They're they're three of their starters are free agents: Brogdon and yeah, Lopez I mean, and Middleton. And, and it, it would take maybe some weird things because they they probably have to probably want to resign Middleton. Uh, but that would be a really interesting location for me, depending on what happened with the rest of the roster. Um, the Lakers would be interesting, though I don't know. Oh, man, that would be heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be... I'd be to, devastated. I would, to, I would take a long walk over the Zakem Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, who, who else is out there? I, I was thinking about this recently. And now I was wondering, like, are, would there be any sign and trade options if he if he decided to opt in? Like what? Well, what, like if, a Chris if, Paul trade when he, he got traded to the Rockets. If if he he could opt in, if he wanted to opt in, you could do something like that. Or if he wanted to opt out, restructure, and do like if, if people have been kind of throwing the name Clint Capella around, if. If they wanted to, one possibility could be Al Horford opts out, re-sign a four-year, $74 million deal that starts at $17 million, gets him security, whatever, whatever, trade him to the Rockets for Clint Capella. They could do that. Clint Capella makes like $16 million. It would work straight up. That's that's something that that could be done. Just, I mean, since we brought up signing trades, that's something that could happen. And you bring back Clint Capella, who is making sixteen million. I mean, he's under contract basically for um, the next four years after this. So 
he'd be basically you'd be he'd be under the same kind of contract that Al Horford would resign. You'd be you'd be trading Horford for Clint Capella with the same years, same money, whatever. Which I don't know if that's worth it to to everybody, but I don't know. But, I'd rather have Al Horford, but if he's insisting he's going to leave, maybe just take a, like a flyer. I, that's not a flyer though. It's that's like, not a that's flyer. Many, that's a Capella that's for many years. That's a commitment, and I'm I'm not so sure I want to make that kind of commitment. Um, so I'm sure we could go through from team to team and and figure out like potential options because you do have that option of him opting in and making a big deal like that for, like you said, a Chris Paul or. Uh, Mike Conley, you know, that's, that's a possibility too, that you trade Conley, you bring Horford in for a year and then Horford hits the free agent market and you know, whatever, like that, that could be something that works for, um, for the Grizzlies gets, gets the Celtics a, a high level point guard to pair with everybody. There'd have to be, a, there'd have to be a third team there because he doesn't make sense for the Grizzlies. Well, yeah. Well, Horford wouldn't agree to that. I doubt it. Why would he yeah, want to like, go to Memphis? Th- there's, there's no way he's opting in to. No, that's true. That's true. to go play a year with, alongside Jaron Jackson and. No, that's John true. Morant. So I mean, it would take some take some, doing to we have to cruise around the league and see where any kind of Horford sign and trade. If he was out, then there are options though. But the point here is there are options. He can opt out. Sign a longer-term deal with less money, still get his security, um, whatever, and, and trade that way. He could opt in, or he could just opt out and, and leave. Like so, there there are a bunch a bunch of different ways. If he sticks around, then the Celtics can do the whole sign him to a longer-term deal uh, with. I don't know. That, that starting at like, let's say they start at like 15 million or something like that. Um, they could, let me just punch this number in. They could create about 13 million in cap space. So you Kyrie walks, you renounce, like you do not bring uh, Terry Rozier back. Wanamaker's gone. Tice is gone. You now have Hayward, Horford, Smart, Tatum, Baines, Brown, Yabu, Robert Williams, Shemi Ojale, and $13 million in cap space. Hello, second round of the playoff exit. That sounds dope. Sign me up. Oh, and they also get a taxpayer mid-level, which is $5.7 million. So they could they could still use that. Um, I, I don't know. They've got, they've got money to spend. I mean, essentially, okay. gives them eighteen if, million to spend. If Horford leaves, what should the Celtics do with Gordon Hayward? Uh, well, that is. Uh, I mean, I think. I think. If, Would anyone take him? Like, what can they do? Yeah, I don't know. Like, here, is there any any deal that works? Like, here's what I think is. They let it play out. At least until the trade deadline. And you see, you let him, you let him come. He back. needs to, he needs to prove his value. Yeah, that's, he needs to establish it. some sort of. He needs to come let back. him get buckets over the first few months. Yeah, and then if if you say that he's available now, well, first of all, 
I mean, maybe you just keep him. If he's playing at an all-star level, uh, if, if we're talking about Hayward coming back and being that guy and the rest of the team chemistry is working and Tatum and Brown are working, then maybe you just keep them and you see if you can add somebody to that mix. Um, or you let him play it and, and you tell a team, here's an all-star level guy, and you you go to a team that's trying to contend and see if you can, they can consolidate talent. Like you, you go to... I don't know. I, I'll go back to the Denver Nuggets. I don't think that's this is a deal for for them. But you go to a team like that with a bunch of talent, and you say all oh, this talent's pretty good. But if you want to upgrade and put a couple of these players together for this, and if he's playing that well, then you can do that. I, it, it, it's really contingent on a team being desperate to consolidate some talent, and contingent obviously on Hayward playing at that level, which I think it's possible, but there's no guarantee. I. Uh, a rumor was just tweeted by a real GM, Al Horford, discussing declining $30 million option for a new three-year deal with the Celtics. It's probably just an aggregation of uh, what Steve Bullpout wrote earlier, but it just popped up on my timeline, so I figured I'd mention it. Yeah, I mean... Thank, <laughs> thank you, Jam. God, Jam, God. <laughs> I'm just yeah. aggregating. I'm just, it is, it just is aggregating from, over here. Yeah, it is from the... Uh, it is an aggregation of the Herald. Uh, yeah. Yep. Jam knows how to do Twitter. I just relaying <laughs> information. Here's the question. What do they do about Tito? Uh, like, can you go, do they move forward? Say Horford comes back. Do you move forward with uh, Marcus Smart as your starting point guard? Or do you like, I know it's like you probably don't match something that like a crazy deal for Jerry Rozier, but I don't know. Bring him back like $15 million a year, four years. I'm not. I, I I let him go at this point. It with this with this, this group, I'm. I'd rather have Marcus Smart and sign like use that taxpayer mid level to sign like I don't know if Darren Collison is available, and he'll take five point seven million. I'd rather take a backup point guard like that that's just happy to be a backup point guard and not try to shoehorn uh, Rozier. I I just, I've soured on Rozier enough. Even even starter Rozier. Then you Marcus Smart as your backup. I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not into that idea. I can see him doing it, but I'm not into that idea. Letting guys go as assets hasn't really been Danny Ainge's thing. Like I could, if if it's a like normal contract offer from somewhere else, I wouldn't be surprised to see them keep Rozier at all. What about if he's yeah, if he's just like a mid-level contract, kind of like around the smart area, we talk about how like how valuable it is to just to have smart to match money on future trades. To have another guy in that like zone wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. Plus, plus I I do think in in a different scenario, like he'd be he'll be a much better player. Like this past year was just a bad bad situation for him, and I think that's very clear that his head wasn't in the right place to handle that. And a lot of guys weren't in the right place to handle things this past year. Um, but I do think in a different situation, like he'll play better. I, I, I think even if you defined him be. as like, I think if you just gave him the six man role, like if you gave him a more defined role, he would still like play better. If he could be like Lou Williams buckets guy off the bench, like 
I think the more defined the role Rozier has, the better he'll play. And so just to to bring him back, especially to not give up the asset, I think I'm I'm more into it. I am a little hesitant given that there's like he wouldn't be the starter, but um, I just think more of a role like he knows what's going in, so it would just be better for him. I still think he wants to be a starter. I, I don't think I don't think he's going to accept a role like that. He wants to start. It's 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 obviously very important to him, and even getting like 25, 30 minutes off the bench. So that, that was going to be his so, role anyway. So you want Smart to start at point guard? At this point, yeah, unless they come up with a, a different option. But I'd, I'd rather roll with Smart than than Terry Rozier. Yeah, Celtics offense could be kind of mediocre next year. Could be pretty mediocre, guys. Well, kind of like it was this year. I mean, it could be, but Smart's, Smart's a good passer. If they bring Horford back, he's a good passer, and now you have defined scoring on the wings with Hayward, Tatum, and Brown. Or if, if I don't know, one of those guys might have to come off the bench. But I think with a, a more defined scoring. I, I, I do want to hear what you guys think about what the Davis trade happening means for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and what Kyrie probably leaving leaves for them and what it means to them. Let's do that after the break. Ooh, jeez, Jake. Woo-hoo! <laughs> the kid coming in hot with a with a tease. That was spectacular. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Jay threw the break with the question. Jay, what was that question? That was what? Now that Anthony Davis is in Los Angeles and Kyrie Irving seems to be probably leaving... What does all that mean for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and their futures in Boston? The opportunities it will leave for them, the differences it will make in their game, everything. Well, I think having, like I was saying before, just just having some more defined roles helps everybody. And those guys in particular will know that – I would say from their perspective, they're feeling like the Celtics believe in them, that they weren't willing to trade them uh, for Anthony Davis. That's that's the perspective I would I would have from them, that they, they would rather go with us than take a chance on Anthony Davis, which is kind of empowering, kind of a, a, a confidence boost, and that would kind of open – both of those guys up to go and just play a little bit more freely, which, which could result in, in a little bit better play. 
Uh, we're, I, I think Tatum is kind of the guy now. I think the Celtics have committed to Tatum as the guy, and he can go out and play like the guy and, and take his shots and, and attack and, and do what he needs to do and feel like he can go and and have a higher usage rate. So I think we'll probably see a better season out of Tatum. We'll probably see a little bit better season out of Brown. And I mean, will it be an all-star season? I don't know. But I think we'll see a little bit better, better play out of them. And, and I think – Having a, a point guard, and this is kind of why I want smart as point guard, having a point guard that's going to recognize their scoring opportunities and, and be able to get them those scoring opportunities is going to be a huge deal too. Because, I mean, Kyrie was a good passer and, and, and made a lot of plays for them, but he wasn't setting them up. He was, he was passing uh, more out of kind of – not having his own option first, drawing a lot of the attention. Okay, now I'm going to pass uh, because a lot of the attention's on me. Whereas Smart, I think, would be actively looking for them, which which I think helps a little bit as well. So they'll, they'll probably have better individual seasons. Uh, not sure how much better, but I think they'll be better. Well, this is why I've already talked myself into this uh, 50, I'll say 55-win Celtics team if the, the, uh, Al Horford returns. I think it's just like for team chemistry wise, it's going to be that much better with lower expectations and a more of a, a commitment to, I would say, I don't know, I, I was going to say team basketball, but it feels like I'm really throwing Kyrie Irving under the bus. Um, and I guess I am in a classic, uh, let's kick the guy once he leaves town, uh, Boston media style fashion. But, um, the team just wasn't, didn't feel like they ever really bought into the, the hard work and like building championship habits, the team thing that Brad Stevens um, kind of preaches. And I feel like without kind of the big ego of Kyrie Irving and the need to kind of funnel the offense through him, the Celtics have the potential to kind of do the more read and react egalitarian offensive basketball that the, I think Brad Stevens preaches. So I'm clearly from a Kaizen factor. I've definitely bought into the less expectations, more hard work. And I definitely think it's a time for Jason Tatum to, to step up. And I definitely think he could be an all-star next year, mostly because I have no idea who's going to be left in the Eastern conference, but <laughs> he's still going to be damn good. And uh, I think that it has potential for growth for the Celtics. And that's why I think it connects to the, the Danny Ainge criticism thing is like the Celtics did. Uh, they like coming out of the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce nets trade. They kind of had the two timelines and they were trying to do two at both uh, at the same time. They bet early on this kind of Kyrie Irving, uh, Gordon Hayward timeline, they lost miserably. It was horrendous. They really just every Jay mentioned all the things that went long, went went wrong, but they still maintained the kind of the longer timeline of building around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And so it's kind of fun to try to transition to that mode where now it's just committed to these two young stars getting the that much better. So I think there's reason for positivity for the Celtics, and that's um that's the full Kaizen spin I'm putting on it. Uh, I, 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 I do think there there will be a chance for those two guys to flourish. And I think obviously that the front office would have preferred Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis to both be in Boston next year and in the future. But it's a pretty think, good backup plan. <laughs> when you think back to the 2018 playoffs and just the freedom those guys played with, they never played with that freedom last year like Tatum 
Tatum being aggressive and going to the hole and and like he never got those opportunities. He never had those plays run for him. Jalen Brown, same thing. They called they were calling him an energy guy. And and like he was he had how many points in thirty game, thirty points in the playoffs, even though he he dealt with a hamstring injury that playoffs. So I do think there'll be a chance for those guys to flourish. I think Gordon Hayward now that he'll be needed more, even even if he doesn't have all his bounce back, like just the fact that his playmaking will be needed more, like no matter who plays point guard for the Celtics, it's not going to be Kyrie Irving. If, if he leaves, there will be nobody coming close to his level of playmaking and the, the level of the usage rate, the level of touches he got, and the level of plays that were run for him. And so other guys are going to have opportunities. And I do think it'll help Tatum and Brown. I, I do think this year, like they wanted to step into bigger roles and we're kind of squeezing into smaller roles. And I think Tatum sometimes didn't handle that well. Like a lot of long <laughs> mid-range jumpers. They still have a lot to prove, those two guys. Like obviously they didn't take big steps forward this past season after kind of breaking out the season before. But I, I, I do think if Kyrie is gone and, and and obviously Anthony Davis is going to be playing elsewhere, there's a chance for those guys to flourish, especially if Al Horford's in town to kind of make everybody's life easier. Sounds like a 60 win team to me. <laughs> <laughs> there is something to be said. I mean, this, this is exactly the type of Brad Stevens, thing like that the guy i think they're much more likely to buy into what brad stevens is is selling and more into the kind of heady stuff that he's trying to to get players to the, the kaizen stuff i think that there resonates more w- with this group so there's a potential that they can they can kind of overachieve but again that like you guys have said it's it's a product of expectations being lower than before and, and so that that's that's a really going to get a lot of the, oh, see, they are better without Kyrie people. That, that's really going to rile them up. But we'll see how that plays out. I want to get into this Danny Ainge stuff because here we are now. The, the, the narrative has now become Danny Ainge had all of these assets, and he had an opportunity, it seemed, to trade for Paul George, and that passed him by. An opportunity to trade for Kawhi Leonard, and that passed him by. And now Anthony Davis, and that passed him by for various reasons. And I think at the time, in vacuums, we can say, yeah, obviously, like Paul George, they didn't pull that trade off of Paul George because they wanted to sign Gordon Hayward first. They needed that cap space to sign Gordon Hayward. And from my recollection, they told the Pacers, we're going to do this, and then we're going to go to you, and we'll, we'll talk about getting Paul George. But the Pacers whether it's impatient or they felt that the Oklahoma city deal was better. They pulled that trade off. That makes sense in a vacuum. Okay, fine. We didn't know that Hayward was going to snap his leg. The Kawhi Leonard thing. Again, we talked about this made sense at the time because there were a lot of questions about Kawhi at that point. There were, uh, the Celtics had just come off of that, that run to, to the game seven of the Eastern conference finals you had a feeling that Tatum and Brown would continue to play well. You had no clue what was coming. So rolling the dice on keeping the Celtics intact with a vision towards Anthony Davis 
that made sense at the time. And then, see, uh, in, in in retrospect, and I know it, it like using hindsight, it is not how these things work. And Danny just needed to make a decision when Kawhi was traded. You have to find a like the the part of being a GM that's so hard is you have to find information and you have to find information that isn't privy to everybody else. Everyone else isn't privy to whether that's mining analytics, whether that's whatever. And with the Kawhi thing, if the reason that they didn't get him was because they weren't sure about his medical information, you got to get his medical information. And when you look back on it, like Jalen Brown and picks if, if that was possible. And I don't know if it was possible because obviously Greg Popovich was coaching the Spurs and Greg Popovich wanted a team to want an all-star player. He took the Mar DeRozan. But if that was a possibility, like that's a no brainer in retrospect. And I know Kawhi had a lot of holes at the time. And I know he could still leave the Raptors even after winning a championship. But he's so damn good, I think you take that risk. And if they had taken that risk, then maybe Kyrie loves it. And maybe he stays. And maybe you can still go after Anthony Davis. And it's like everything else would have been a whole lot different if Kawhi was in Boston. Sure. That's that's retrospect, though. Hindsight. You... I agreed, but it's, it's on Ainge to know that. And it's on him to, to find the information that the public isn't privy to. And if, if Kawhi was as he was able to come back 100% healthy, Ainge should have found a way to know that. And, and in a way, that's on him. And obviously, every other team seemed, there were a lot of other teams that were wary of, of his health and what happened in San Antonio. But, like, he was healthy. Yeah, he but- was healthy. He, he didn't miss any any games. For, like, he started the season. Load management was a thing, but, like, just to keep him healthy long term. I get it, Jay, but like, I, I don't think Toronto did the deal because they managed to get his medicals and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to do it. Like, I don't think anybody got their, the, the medical. The, like, I don't know how you're supposed to do that, you know, with the uh, HIPAA laws and, and every, like, you can't just, I don't think that's something that you can get. I think Toronto made the deal because they were just in a unique situation. They had just gotten embarrassed by LeBron. They, you know, LeBronto became a thing. They, they were in a position where they were a, about ready to blow it up, and they had a package that that San Antonio was into, and so they were much more willing to take a chance than any other team. There, uh, uh, not the just uh, the Celtics, but uh, other teams. Uh, agreed, but like, if if your your lone goal is to win a championship, and the Celtics has been that that's that's their lone goal. Right. Then taking on Kawhi, even if it's for a year, uh, like that's one I, I know there are people in Boston who regret that and and wish obviously that Kawhi had been on their team. But like that that's one that's one it that one really hurt. Sure. Like if it, if it really could have been done with Jalen Brown and picks, like that that was a mistake by Ainge in the front office. Yeah, I don't know if if it was Jalen Brown. And at the it, time, like I remember arguing, like yeah, the Celtics look set up for now and the future. It, it's a big risk, 
but they weren't set up for now. Yeah. And I overrated that. But there's no way of knowing that. Every, they, the entire like everyone. Well, okay, that but Angel said. Angel said they're in there. They're. Angel said afterward that he knew they were overvalued after overachieving in the playoffs in 2018. And he figured this would be a tough year in a lot of ways. And obviously he didn't know how tough it would be, but like, I'm not sure he believed. And and when you look at it, like they didn't have a top 10 player. This you could say Kyrie was, but they didn't have a second one. They didn't have a second all-star even. Right. And and so so they weren't they wouldn't have been breaking up a the, a normal title team like they knew what Gordon Hayward was was they, looking they, like. I mean they clearly didn't know what Gordon Hayward was supposed to look like be at that point. I don't know. It it, it just that one that one like at the time agreed. I I was on this I was on the side that that was very. Would have been a risky move, and would have been risking a, a possible long-term contender, and wait wait for Davis and see what happens. But that that was a missed I, opportunity. I would Obviously. I would generally agree, but I also think that if like Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, then we totally like view this differently. And you have to give the Raptors credit for putting themselves in the position to like still win when injuries happen, but. I think it's kind of there. Like there were a lot of circumstances that led to mainly Kevin Durant being hurt that led to the Raptors winning, and this move seemed like seeming like a great success. Oh, okay, and so, so, so let, let's let's say this. Let's say the Celtics had traded Jalen Brown in picks for Kawhi. Would and then gotten to the finals with Kawhi. It salvages Kyrie because Kyrie's like, oh yeah, we're we're really good. It gives him a chance. To go out How did it salvage Kyrie? Because what if Kyrie, what if then uh, Kawhi says I'm leaving to New York anyways, and Kyrie goes, okay, I'm leaving too, and then you're in the same place you are, just sans Jalen Brown well, and whatever it, it probably, assets you have. It probably wouldn't have been such a frustrating season for Kyrie if you go to the finals and there wasn't a lot of the crap that they dealt with this season. That that could, situation could be a lot different whether Kawhi stays or not. Then if Kyrie stays. Then you have a chance to go out and get Anthony Davis. Like, I, there's just a, a lot. I, I think there was more risk in retrospect to the Kawhi thing, not going after him than than going after. Him. But even okay, so let's say they traded Jalen for Kawhi, made it to the finals, and would you have done that? Like, knowing how good he was this year, would you have done that? And Giving it a chance to see what would happen. Well, yeah. After. Now that now that you know, if you predict the future, then of course you do something like that. We we've talked about this uh, on the on the podcast before, but that's I guess the question here for this segment is what's what's the fair thing to do? You you sit there. We're all sitting here saying at the time we understood it, so at the time that was the 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 prevailing thought. But now it didn't work out. So do you say, well, we understood at the time that that felt like the right decision, or do you sit there and say, well, you don't get the luxury of having at the time because obviously it was the wrong decision. Like you, no one's going to sit there and say it, it was the right decision 
because he was healthy and they did win a title in Toronto. Now you can throw out the, like, I have no idea what Kawhi and Kyrie would have been like together in the same locker room. They could have hated each other. It could have electric. They would have become best friends. They could have. That's also possible. But at the same time, like we don't know. So amazing. But knowing, like knowing that now, like is it is it fair to say? Well, you should have known, or you should have done it because now we know it worked. Like it's it's hard it's hard to really pin this down because on the surface. I listen to other podcasts. I listen to Lakers podcasts, Lockdown Lakers. And they say, and it's not, it's not wrong to say Danny Ainge had this bevy of assets after the Brooklyn trade. And what do you have to show for it? You have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, essentially Kyrie walked. You, you traded, you know, you got the, the pieces from that trade to get Kyrie and he's leaving. You didn't get Kawhi. You didn't get Paul George. Now you didn't get Anthony Davis. Like it feels like, even though we're sitting here feeling okay, like they, they, it's, it's a setback, but it's not like they're not trash, but this is also still the worst case scenario for the Celtics, right? Like this, this is of all the things that we could look at. This is the worst possible scenario, I guess, maybe a step up from actually making the trade and watching the guy walk. You got to focus process over results, growth mindset. But I think it's fair to criticize the process of went for like the most risk management solution where they're not going to do the big flashy move. They're going to try to play the two timelines. And so I think it's like fair, like for what they did, they're clearly they had this bet on Kyrie and Gordon. It didn't work out, but they also played the long game. I think it's fair to criticize them for just, you know, championships are pretty valuable like it's hard to hard to win on why not just really up your chances and um just go for it in that one year like the raptors did and so i think like it's fair to criticize the process they chose that way but um i don't know with with choosing to try to do both routes i think like their decision making made sense the fact that they're the one and done thing would happen with Kawhi and it worked out certainly makes it look worse but i don't know i think if the criticism is them not not going for it for that one year, trying to, I guess, extend, uh, extend the run for longer because championships just don't come around. And so can you really just like build, like wait for something to possibly happen more? So you sure you just go for it because you never know when crazy things can happen. Like Kevin Durant uh, tearing up his lick. And the other part of this too, is they might've just targeted next season as the one where the NBA kind of opened up and, and they were, they were right. They were right. Like, if, if you if they had teamed Kyrie and Anthony Davis next year with Horford and whoever, whatever young guys they would have had left, like that would have been the perfect time to do it. And does that team beat the Warriors fully stocked? No, probably not. But if Kevin Durant left, as a lot of people think he's going to leave, then everything's open and normal championship teams. We'll start winning championship teams again, like the Raptors did this year. Uh, so I don't they know. Bet there are, so there much. are a lot of layers to it, and I, uh, like I said at the time of the the Kawhi trade, I, I thought it was totally fair for Danny Ainge not to do that. But 
I, I do think it's worth asking a lot of questions about why they didn't and how that's impacted them and whether they should have looked at everything differently. Yeah, I think they bet they bet so hard on Kyrie coming back and the dude announced that season ticket holder night, which in, in retrospect is hilarious that he did this, that he was coming back made a Nike commercial saying that he was going to be the last person with a number 11 in the roster, like in the rafters. Like I feel like a lot of their decision-making went in thinking that Kyrie was a long-term thing and just thinking like the, the approach totally changes. If you know, that's going to more likely going to be a two year rental, but I think it's hard to evaluate, especially like with Kyrie leaving, because they, I just don't think they like factored that in as much because they had more of a belief in themselves that they were going to resign him no matter what. I don't think they really like, considered him leaving to be as big as an option as it turned out to be well that certainly changed things <laughs> that they <I> mean, <laughs> up until up until the trade deadline i'm coming was, back if you guys have me right and danny Ainge was saying like on the radio oh yeah we're still it's it's like a marriage we're still engaged we still have the date set and then we go talk to him after the season's over and he's like yeah Kyrie can do whatever he wants like it was just everything just soured, um, and I don't know that that really changed a lot. Uh, the the inability to make the trade mid season, having to push it off to the to the summer, really obviously hurt. If they didn't have that Rose Rule, if that didn't exist, Anthony Davis would have been a Celtic at the trade deadline. Like that would have been overdone. They would have played the rest of the season out together. Who knows what happens after that, but you know, maybe the Celtics go on a run. Maybe the Celtics beat the Raptors and get to the finals. Who knows? But that I mean that little tweak in the uh, collective bargaining agreement forcing everybody to wait and get to the summer and then all of a sudden like, oh yeah, never mind. We're not gonna we're not gonna give up everything that we said we would. Like Think about it, like the Anthony Davis, that whole mess of him sitting out, like that never should have happened. If they had just gone to the Lakers, if that if that trade had happened, and people lost their jobs over this, you know, it, it was it, wild. What a wild thing! And uh, we can go back, and there's just so many different bits of luck and bad luck that that led to this whole thing. Hashtag this league, man. This league. <laughs> I think this is hashtag the end of this podcast. That'd be a horrible hashtag. That's that's not one that I think would catch on, but whatever. That's my hashtag for now. Thanks for listening. Everybody go ahead and subscribe. Do it wherever podcasts exist. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya. Do that. Also, you can tell your smart device whether you're driving to or from work, walking around town, or sitting at home. Tell your smart device to play Locked On Celtics, and we will be right there with you for that drive wherever you're going. Everybody who subscribed, give us that good, good written rating, a five-star review, and share the podcast. Spread the word, tell everybody to listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked On Celtics.
Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.